0: Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Eddie, it's your weekly optimism vaccine. Uh, I am once again, not Steve Cuff. Uh, It seems like you're going to be stuck with me for an entire month hosting. I I feel like our listenership is going to, uh, Plummet?
1: (laughs) Mass exodus.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nonetheless, here we are. And even on an episode where we have a special guest, uh, Steve is not here, so he probably would have done some research and uh, given the guests all the leeway they deserve. But but instead, I'm just going to introduce him and be done with it. Uh, We have Eddie Averill from Extended Clip. Hello, all. Part of our uh, podcast exchange program. Uh, They had Sean on and now... uh... We have any.
2: Yeah, I didn't realize the sure. what I was getting into when I invited Sean on the podcast <laughs> so long ago. I didn't know I was gonna have to watch these disgusting movies.
1: Yeah, you li- you I, I had you listen to all um like a hundred plus episodes before this as well. So oh, yeah. It was it's kind of a an investment. This is like
0: some this is some tame stuff for us. You should just be thankful this is what we're having you watch because it's like real movies and <laughs> stuff. Well,
2: thank you for having um, me on
0: yeah yeah sorry to interrupt uh, again professional hosting you, you get the best uh we also are joined as per usual by uh, sean
1: hey hello
0: uh sean always always bringing the energy always makes my life easier when i'm, I'm stuck hosting you know i'm like well, at least i can count on sean to, to really juice this thing up <laughs> Uh, yeah. We also have here Jake. Since uh, Sean, you may have more to say, but we're going to not allow it because you, you just came in with the uh, hello. So y- you've been bypassed. You're supposed to do the
1: Regis thing, Myros. So you're supposed to like <laughs> do sort of like the side eye and like talk to the audience when, when they're not giving you anything.
0: <laughs> uh, if only we had a live studio audience and uh, I had a camera to give a side eye to. Instead, I, I'm just stuck here uh, strangling myself. Uh, Jake, help me out here, man.
3: Yeah, howdy, Adam. Thanks for introducing me. I appreciate that.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the (laughs) least I can do. (laughs) Honoring the
2: legacy of the late Great Rage Philbin. Oh, yeah. I forgot he died.
3: Thankfully, we have uh, Lights Camera Jackson to continue his legacy.
1: That's right.
0: I just spent half the year watching old episodes of Millionaire and bawling my eyes out. Um... So, uh, those of you who tuned in last episode know we are in the midst of our October quest to expose Sean to uh, interesting horror, and uh, we are still on Sergio Martinez. Martinez, yes, uh, Sergio Martinez, (laughs) a prominent uh, Spanish filmmaker. No, uh, Sergio Martino. Uh, Yeah, so we covered three pretty interesting films last week, most of which were in the Jalo realm, and uh, we're kind of moving off from that this time around i wouldn't consider either of these giallo really really yeah he he obviously has dabbled in many genres but uh this is this is interesting where we're, we're going to mm-hmm. get into one here where he almost sort of defined the genre uh but let's start earlier well
1: and, and kind of before we get into him i was just going to say on on last episode we kind of talked about how this conceit of like introducing me to horror had kind of like jumped the shark i guess but uh what's cool about having Eddie on this episode is that uh I believe that these are your first two jalo. is that correct, Eddie?
2: Yeah, I, I that is correct, even though I'm already gonna Giallo explain and say, wouldn't it be my first two jali? Isn't that the plural form? Oh yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A
2: plural uh, of yellow,
0: yes. <laughs> Yellows. <laughs>
1: um yeah, you're right. Uh but so yeah. I, I so we kind of have like uh we have the conceit in spirit uh through our guests. So I'm I'm excited to kind of get uh gauge your interest and in your take on these. But uh yeah, Mario, as you kind of mentioned, um uh I, I mean I think the the heads call these jolly still, like canon, but um but obviously he's integrating different things into them. And uh it's also interesting too, uh especially considering these are your first two. Uh, Eddie, that um, he moves into this, he moves out of scope um, which is very odd for the genre right? Like uh, he goes into like this 1.85 I think and uh, it works for both of these obviously because they're both good but um, it's it's a weird introduction because most of them are in that uh, scope and, and, and have a, a very specific look and he goes back to the scope with Suspicious Death of a Minor after this but um, I don't know. Did you guys have any Thoughts about that as far as uh, following up on the first three and then moving into this territory.
0: I think I'd argue with these historians. I I really don't. I, I mean, maybe I'm a stickler, but I feel like Jolo has sort of specific rules, and I don't think that either of these really play by those rules. Uh,
1: well, these guys gotta these guys gotta make money and like publish works and stuff. So you know, like the more that fit into their definitions, the more they can make a a legacy of them themselves as scholars Myros.
0: see if i'm if i'm uh trying to make a name as a scholar i think i'd have a a whole different take on torso that we'll get into but uh yeah um let's just jump in on uh your vice is a locked room and only i have the key a movie that as far as i can tell does not feature any locked rooms Uh, (laughs) not a lot of i I guess alcoholism is the vice um (laughs) i would say toxic masculinity is the vice <laughs> <laughs> uh that's that martino's that's got week. the key <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is a 1972 film that actually takes its title from a previous uh sergio martino film that we watched for last episode uh yeah. strange vice of Mrs. is War, and uh it seems a bit shoehorned in with this title, but it, it's an interesting one. Very gothic, uh, has sort of an Edgar Allan Poe thing going on with it. Uh, obviously, takes on that black cat motif. But uh, yeah, I, I know, Sean, you're very taken with this one. So why don't you jump in on it?
1: Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of things that I guess are are worth mentioning, uh, especially since we talked a lot about Edward Fennec on the first episode, and she uh is introduced here as sort of like this third wheel character. But what's uh wild is that she has this pixie cut. And um uh this was she she made a, a movie uh a, an important jallo um case of the buddy Iris in between this and, and um the other Martinos. But um this is the first one where she uh all of a sudden has this like wild haircut. So um it's interesting especially considering Martino's interest in Rosemary's baby. Um but it's also she's introduced in uh, you get to see a different way about her um, here uh, you know, she's not just sort of like being the one being chased um, but uh, like you said, Myros has got a gothic uh, atmosphere to it and it, it it almost all takes place in this mansion um, and it's uh, to me it seems like Martino pulls out quite a few more, like, mature, uh, just visual tools. Um, it, it's it's quite interesting what he does with some of these interior spaces. Um, and then every time they do leave this mansion, it's, like, just just gorgeous stuff in Venice. Um, I believe it's Venice. I can't remember. I've watched, like, 18 Jolly. Jolly but um, <laughs> okay, So it might not be. But uh, they go to, like, these cliff sides and they go to, you know, the the uh, Brick City Centers and stuff, and um, it's just it's just a gorgeous movie to watch. But, um, yeah, uh, what were you guys' take?
3: Well, I mean, not only is Edwig Vanek introduced with that uh, pixie haircut, which I think is great, but uh, she's also gets she also gets top billing in the film, and she doesn't even appear until 33 minutes into the movie, which I think is a real baller move. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Martino had a thing for her. But, um, yeah, I really liked... Uh, His sister-in-law exactly, yeah, i really liked uh your vice is a is a yada 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 um i think it's a like you said it's a strong um chamber piece it's largely one location but uh yeah martino is just still he's he's absolutely goddamn fantastic at crafting a good set piece um as in this film has many of them
1: it seems like uh he comes into just like like I mentioned just like different tools visually, but it seems like he really comes into a different maturity as a filmmaker. And I'll let you guys refute that or not. But that that's that's sort of my main takeaway. Eddie, what do you think? Oh, I
2: mean, I, I was very taken with this. And, you know, the the gore the practical effects perhaps this is kind of standard fare for like the the heavy hitters of 70s and uh italian genre cinema but after a week of watching a uh, scary movie one through five and uh some <laughs> other awful parody Jeez. movies it was just like a it was like handed down from the lord uh seeing this blood flow across the screen <laughs> Uh, But I think it's a it's a wonderful balance of, you know, that intense uh, sleaze aspect of it with the stylistic approach, you know, it it, since I haven't seen many of these uh, Italian genre films of the time. All that I really had as a reference point were the Italian art house films of the time. And I think that Torso even Mm. calls that into question a little more with the actual discussion of art in the classroom. But we'll stick with this one. Uh, But I I think it does a really great job at kind of dissolving the lines uh, or the boundaries between uh, different, you know, uh, how would I say this? different levels of respectability uh, within the form of uh, films about you know following women
0: mm, mm-hmm. yeah I could see that it's certainly a film that has a lot more subtext than what we've seen prior from him um and and perhaps that's where you're going with the maturity uh Sean but yeah. I for me this It's less my jam, you know, I I really do like Shallow, and this is is definitely way more into that gothic realm, which is is less in my wheelhouse, but uh, it's a very enjoyable film, and uh, it certainly executes that mystery element, you're kind of going, where is this headed? Is this even a murder mystery halfway through? You're like, oh, well.
2: Now, now I know there's another genre uh, that's strictly more of the uh, police procedural. But does the giallo usually have more of the procedural element, or what? What's like the narrative difference from here?
3: There could be like a, a tertiary cop character on the side who's who's looking into things, and there sometimes there's a troubled protagonist who may or may not be the killer, and he's he sort of has a, a an antagonist in that regard. But um, they're not. Typically speaking, I don't think they're very mm-hmm. police driven.
0: They're out. not police driven, but they are definitely who They're all they're always who generally.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and there's usually um the, like the sort of the purest staples would be an uh, an amateur detective like uh, you know, like we talked last week about um insurance people, you know, figuring out claims or whatever and then mm-hmm. leading to like being interested in a woman. Um, or sometimes it's like, you know, a brother-in-law or whatever. Um but uh so it's usually somebody who's not a policeman trying to track down this killer uh and the killer is uh purely speaking uh in black gloves um and usually you don't see their face uh for uh the majority of the runtime um yeah it, it, yeah the police yateshi are uh about the police and they're usually overtly political whereas jalo i think are not usually overtly political. They're usually just like really into that sleaze and and yeah, they're more subtextual, like, like you were saying, Myros. but, um, God, there's so much style in, in both of these movies, but this one too, like that's kind of what I've grown to love watching these, um, these movies is just how much, um, they're into, um, the fabric of this, this life and, uh, the, the scenery and, um, especially in this one, like, like I talked about like the way that he's using these different camera movements. I, I feel like he has these motifs in here, like kind of mimicking the poster of these, of this, like these faces in uh, tight spaces and sort of like they, they look like these keyholes or whatever. But, um, uh, and also you always have like the liquor, uh, the different liquor bottles everywhere uh, and the interior design. And it all just seems it, it's, it's, it's a relic of the past. like, there is no way I don't feel like, or at least it hasn't been made yet, like in contemporary cinema to be this stylish without feeling like purely affect, like here it's just like so over the top in a way, like, you know, this isn't the way most Italians lived, I don't think, <laughs> um, but like, it's just so, it's so like uh, both stylish and sleazy in such a fun way, like just the fabrics are are, are great to take in.
0: It is interesting how these always tend to focus on sort of the bourgeoisie, like, uh, yeah, always uh, villas and uh, peasants are always sort of tertiary uh, Mm -hmm. participants in these movies. Um, Yeah, this one is is a strange duck in comparison to a lot of his other work that I've seen. Anyway, It definitely stands out in a way that is... Yeah, it, it, I suppose it's a black glove killer movie, but not really. It, it's definitely almost a chamber piece where, yeah. you know, it's about this crumbling marriage and this acerbic people who fucking hate each other. And Yeah, I, again, toward the end of the movie, I, I wasn't even certain that the murder element hadn't entirely exited the premises. So I was just like, well, maybe this is what we're doing now, and I'm okay with that. Yeah.
3: It's kind of weird cuz watching all these Martino films back to back I've learned that like compared to Fulci and uh, Romero he's his films are really like plot driven no, I'm sorry Argento not Romero excuse me forgive me <laughs> but um yeah his films are very very narrative driven like uh, they're just, mm-hmm. just teeming with plot machinations like I I watched um Your vice a couple nights ago and before we started recording, I just read through the Wikipedia synopsis to refresh <laughs> uh, and that thing is dense like yeah. there are like half a half a dozen characters with different motivations, and yeah it's as opposed to if you say something like Susperia which is the the granddaddy of the giallo, you have basically girl goes to school, school's run by a covenant which is set piece set piece set piece set piece it deals yeah. more in abstraction whereas here you don't you lose some of that that just it's not just a series of close ups of Gloved hands and razors slashing across flesh. It's more psychologically driven as as the lives of these characters intersect and interact. Um, so, but I'm I'm quite fond of that. I can I can take both.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's that might also be that uh, Ernesto Gostaldi stamp, like just like super into those plot machinations. And uh, um, in the one that that we're not covering, their their last together, uh, suspicious death of a miner. It's just like. I had to, like, just begin watching it passively because there's just so much shit going on. Like, um, the, the, the titular death happens in, like, the, the opening minutes and then just, like, twist after twist after twist to, to like, the point where you, you just, like, kind of forget or dispose of, like, the actual uh, main plot point, like the precipitous moment and just, uh, I don't know, just get lost in all this stuff. But um, so he brings that, I think, and then you have Martino doing, like, the very... Um, the various other, uh, sensual things. And what's great about vice, uh, as well is, uh, and I think Fennec talked about this in the archival interviews I watched where she was talking about the, the love scene here, which is just gorgeous, um, between her and the other woman in this house. And it was pretty taboo to have this, um, uh, lesbian sex scene. Um, but the way that, that they just dissolve to it is, is just, uh, very, i uh, very taken with it.
0: Yeah. You, this is, uh, Anita Strindberg who's also in, Yeah. was in, uh, was the lead in case of Scorpions*. Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. so you guys are making me feel like an old crank here. Cause I'm like, uh, what are we talking? Suspiria also not Jollop. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Argento stop making Jollos around. Deep red, and he did occasionally revisit the genre with stuff like Tenebre. And what about uh, Jallo?
1: The film called Jalo.
0: Don't watch it. I, I think it's it's called that just because of the that Jallo means yellow, and the main character has jaundice. <laughs> it's just <laughs> disgusting and awful. Like
3: uh, Dracula 3D. I,
0: I've never seen it. Fortunately for me,
3: I, I I'd say
0: Argento's wrong? last true Jallo is probably Opera, but uh, and that's got to be one of the last shallowest period frankly because it's late 80s um this is definitely the heyday i i'd say they're petering out by mid-70s where Argento Mm -hmm. was kind of driving the industry in a different direction a more supernatural focused direction but um this also is starting to diverge i think we're seeing that with with sergio here because a lot of this stuff I'd be hard pressed to call it a classic show, and I, I well, especially... you get like that.
1: You get like the Eddie and I were kind of talking about this offline uh, earlier, but they like and Jake, you were talking about how dense the the plot is. Like, you go to that bike race for a while, like yeah, <laughs> and it's it's really cool, but yeah. it's also not uh, classic. I don't know. No, I I
2: mean just to take a little detour into that, uh, it, it's really like an incredible. Uh, like automotive uh movie in general the uh the casual motorcyclists in you know european films of this period are always cool to me but this is one of the earliest like dirt bike races i've seen in cinema and uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like he has this affair with the edward uh edwig the neck character and he's riding his you know little motorcycle and compare that to the you know hefty bmw of the oliviero uh the lead who you know it's like Mm -hmm. too fat to even drive down these narrow european (laughs) streets uh and i think there's a lot of very obvious comparisons to be drawn there especially with the uh young hippies who are allowed to party at the uh, at the estate and uh just like the generational differences driving out a lot of uh kind of just doors to be opened with subtext about these characters that isn't quite filled in for you yet, you know?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny that you mentioned that huge automobile. Um, it, in Suspicious Death, um, there's a couple there's like a big set piece revolving around a cinema and it's about this couple that go to see your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. <laughs> oh which, shit. Uh, and yeah. And, and it's great. And, um, but it's not named like you see their reflection in the poster, but you don't see the title. It's just like that keyhole. And then um, the only moment that you see of the movie uh for just a second, because most of the time the camera's on their faces while they're sitting in the chair, is like the huge automobile pulling up to the to the estate. <laughs> um and so he's clearly very fond of it. Um but it's also funny that it was playing at this cinema three years later. Uh and also in that movie Suspicious Death, he had like a um I'm not sure how much this tied over to other earlier films, but he had a uh a sponsorship with Mercedes, I believe in the film. So I, I don't know how like common that was to, hmm. uh, it, it, but it adds to sort of these stylistic textures in ways that at least now, like just seem really fun.
0: So uh, this also features another of his regular players in uh, Ivan Rasimov, uh, who is <laughs> this hair, man, <laughs> this silver Fox look. He's got, <laughs> I I don't know. what There was a choice that was made. This movie's got some odd choices all around. I Like, I, again, I do like it, but there's points where it, it's the Italian-ness really seeps through, like that opening with the hippies where they like break into this song and it, it's like the least shot for sound thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm just like, oh, this is very odd and disorienting. But yeah, no, it's, it's Italian,
3: that's for sure. Uh... <laughs> You will you will drop that song in at the end though, correct?
0: <laughs> daughter, uh, yeah, sure. Daughter. Why not? I don't know if I'll be able to find a good rip of that.
3: <laughs> I have faith in you.
0: Uh, I one more
2: stylistic thing I really liked about this is the constant cuts to the uh, the eyes of the cat. You know that close up on the cat's oh, yeah. face, and after oh, one of its eyeballs is gouged out, uh, it you know will still cut back to the cat's face just with only one eyeball and you know once you start getting those cuts of the one-eyed cat i feel like the film is just ramping up its sense of like mania toward the end uh as you know yeah and uh yeah i think that's a really nice like stylistic structuring device
1: yeah and that reminds me of some other tangents that happen that we don't need to get into all of them but it uh but there is a moment in the middle where um the main character uh, the dude like the horrible husband goes to this uh sex worker and uh there's the shot with her and all these dolls and it's just like so <laughs> it, it's just like another st- like staple of um martino just doing something more interesting i think than than in the previous two movies but um i should also say that this one so or i should say the previous three movies but uh all the colors of the dark and um strange vice of Mrs. Ward have these abstractions that we talked about last episode, you know, where he's shooting on like this soundstage or whatever, uh, with like just black black um, backdrops and doing these uh, really suggestive uh, visual things that um, are, are really cool. And this and Torso have none of that, which is really interesting um, because I would have assumed that uh, that would be something that a director would sort of develop. but maybe I don't know if it was just like sort of a, a part of Martino that he wanted to outgrow. Um, but you don't get those abstractions here, uh, which I'm okay with just because I think these are both really good movies, but um, it's it's worth noting. And for for like Eddie, if you' if you go back and watch those, it's just uh, something you can expect
0: and it's fun. Yeah, if you want to watch some actual
1: Jallo.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, my interest has definitely been piqued. What what would you say then is like the the definitive Jallo if you're denying the Suspiria claim?
0: Oh, I would I would suggest you should get into some earlier Argento. Something like Deep Red is is a classic. Uh Argento's a, a good place to jump in. Stuff like Bird with Crystal Plumage is another classic one. Okay. You could do Fulci's uh, woman with a lizard skin and then you could jump into some bava as well okay because i've seen
2: some later fulci when he's making more like slasher type stuff and i love that so i I, or even not slasher with uh the beyond but fucking the beyond is like one of the craziest movies i've ever seen so i'm very looking forward to yeah checking out his other stuff
0: absolutely yeah beyond is a fantastic film but fulci again very very quickly sort of went into that supernatural realm like most (laughs) of his stuff deals with uh, reanimated dead and and whatnot. You've got the whole zombie series, but the, which he was a part of. Didn't author the whole thing by any stretch. But yeah, a lot of his, most of his stuff. I would I would suggest involves more supernatural elements than Jalo. But uh, Woman of Lizard Skin is is a killer movie. Yes,
1: yeah. I read something in in this text. Uh, like uh, I think it was a scholarly text that suggested it was like sort of charting the the beginnings or the origins of the giallo and i forgot what movie it was but i think it was like a desica movie uh, from the uh, 40s oh yeah the, uh, <laughs> the visconti obsession right uh yeah yeah you're right you're right I yeah, think yeah I, that, that, was... that
2: scholarly article was uh wikipedia.com slash giallo
1: <laughs> <laughs> i must have been reading what they cite uh, Yeah, yeah yeah or, what or I always it's just said. like commonly commonly <laughs> passed around yeah as like the starting point but it's just like i I'm going to take your word for it and not watch it cuz none of like the contemporary uh you know Jallo uh, scholars like ever talk about that and it doesn't seem like a fruitful enterprise but I guess for historians whatever.
0: <laughs> well, do we have anything else on this one or should we move on to a uh, torso? I uh,
3: just want to comment I like the montage at the end of uh Edwick and the guy driving away on the motorcycle and there's this just it keeps cutting to this billboard for seemingly no reason. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, fantastic. It ultimately has one that I won't spoil, but um, just yeah, that that kind of that stuff is great.
1: And it has a great uh, harpsichord score that we didn't talk about. That um, I guess would would go, uh, Myros, if you're looking for fuel, additional fuel to not call this a jalo. Um, that would be that would be more uh, on your side. But it's a beautiful score.
0: It's true. It's very fitting for the material and uh, much different from what we've seen in his prior films. Not that those are consistent in score, but, uh, you know, at least they all had a very specific genre feel. Uh, yeah, let's move on to Torso then. Uh, again, not a giallo, because it's something else. <laughs> and what it is, is significant. Because if you ask me to categorize this, this is a slasher. This is a straight up slasher. And name one that comes earlier than this, because I don't think you can. <laughs> Like I think this, this might be the first ever slasher film. At least it's it's very much up there. Uh, it predates Black Christmas. It's a, it's very interesting sure. stuff. 1973's Torso, uh, a movie that, in structure, is basically something that came to define 1980s American horror. Very interesting
1: Oh, you call it torso? I call it um, the body is show signs of carnal violence, but yeah. whatever.
0: Okay, okay. Actually, I, uh,
2: I, I just call it carnal <laughs> violence. That's the other title.
3: <laughs> uh, that's weird. I call it I corpi presentato della violenza
0: Jake, what do you think of this torso?
3: Uh, I think torso is excellent. Um, so again, you're dealing with a. This is also like your first masked killer. I mean, it's a ski mask, but still, this is a uh, nameless, faceless entity stalking and murdering young women through the use of strangulation via a red and black foulard. Which I'm personally
1: against, just politically speaking.
3: Yeah, we want to say, you know, depiction is not equal endorsement, um, just so our listeners are clear. But um, yeah, this this is a very... I'm you know, I guess you could argue that maybe Psycho is a proto slasher in some regard. But Sure, Proto Slasher
0: yeah. Proto Slasher. But this is not a proto slasher to me. No, this, this is, is, this is yeah. a fucking slasher.
3: Yeah, this is yeah, this is just a this is an excellent it's, it's a slasher film, like you say, and it's uh it's it's just as stunningly crafted as any of the previous Martino films we watched. Um but uh there's also what I've discovered here is a bounty of tension like i i don't think i've kind of had my nerves as racked as much as watching this movie um but yeah it's just a, a an excellent uh entry into the slasher canon basically kickstarted its own subgenre in the horror genre <laughs> um what am i trying to say here yeah uh i mean it's concerns these uh these students who are being hunted mm-hmm. by a serial killer and uh Four of them take a vacation out into this uh, very nice castle on top of a hillside uh, where the killer stalks and follows them there. And, uh, yeah, it's great.
2: It's another one of these movies with this bourgeoisie environment that automatically, mm-hmm. for me, recalled like more Italian art house stuff like the ennui present and like uh, Antonioni's films and stuff like that. But, of course, it's a slasher, as said. Uh <laughs> The only one I could think of that is like close to the, uh, this early, like, and you would really have to make a case for it being a slasher, was the year before this, the Jess Franco film *She Killed in Ecstasy*, which is kind of uh, mm. an inversion in a way, and it's also kind of a softcore pornography film, so can't
1: quite go that far with it. The Franco touch.
0: Well, hell, I mean, you could make that argument with this. This, this thing is just... <laughs> it's, right, true. Right? Like, it's true. I, I, it seems like 50% of the type is, is just topless women traipsing around.
3: Yeah, the, f- the first shot is uh, creepy doll pubic hair. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, this is sleazier than the other films that we've covered. I mean, sure, there's plenty of skin, but nothing quite like what's on display here.
0: Yeah, it's wild how it fully formed it feels like in that genre. Like if this came out in 1987 or something, it would not shock me because it feels like it envelops all the tropes for better and for worse of that of that genre. Like it even has a fucking final girl. (laughs) Yeah, no, No, I I think. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, you go.
2: Well, I was just going to say that even some of the dialogue recalls like more of the self-aware slashers that would come later. You know, you have a discussion in a classroom, uh, like an art, you know, class uh, where they're talking about a painter, whether he was a like there's the line, you know, he was a butcher or not. A, or he was a painter, not a butcher, rather. And they're dissecting, you know, why an artist would or wouldn't paint blood and it feels mm-hmm. like something that characters would talk about in a movie that exists long after slashers have already existed, you know, when you get yeah. into the meta commentary, once you hit like the nineties, pretty much. So it's, it's ahead of its time, uh, to full or like in a way that I can't even really comprehend.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that, that's interesting because, uh, again, uh, to keep bringing up a movie we're not talking about, uh, but just for Martino context um, in suspicious death. Um, Another meta touch besides the one I talked about was also like a a side character whistling the theme, which is just um, not something that was done very much. And in a a way that doesn't really draw attention to itself, Um, which is all just to say that uh, I know we kind of talked about on last episode as Martino uh, as a pejorative is talked about as like a journeyman and whether you want to refute that or not, blah 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 um and i think with these two movies uh especially kind of definitely uh i guess reaffirmed to me that that's definitely not him like i i don't think uh that that is a reasonable thing he lost his edge somewhere or lost his touch or what have you um along the way somewhere but uh anyway um you talked about, Eddie, you talked about, like, these Italian uh, art movies um, and how that this setting kind of reminded you of that. It reminded me of, like, a Romare movie, like, this villa mm-hmm. on, on the, the water, but, like, uh, just, like, a, a, you can't imagine a starker contrast uh, between <laughs> this and a Romare movie.
2: Yeah, at no point are these uh, women talking about what books they read uh, while they're waiting to get killed. <laughs>
0: uh yeah i mean i guess they're all art history students boy i've never seen such a, a robust art history department at a university
1: yeah i do love just like watching oh yeah and some of like sometimes they have sex with each other uh, yeah but, sometimes uh, oh, hey that's that's do. the uh, yeah this is what this is just smith smith college but in uh in the uh italian countryside um but uh yeah, I don't know. This one one of the women break, breaks her ankles or sprains her ankle or whatever on the stairs and uh that that's a, a huge um uh device, uh narrative device in this and uh the other three are just like traipsing around and um uh eventually fate comes to them. Um and uh when we are talking about this as slasher and the time that came out, I've heard it mentioned um uh, and i was kind of thinking about this because i just watched new york ripper uh fulci's 82 film which i've read as like his quote unquote return to jalo i'm sure you would refute that um but <laughs> i've never uh, seen
0: new york ripper so i can't Okay
1: it. I, it, it's it's very brutal and um it's it's a slasher movie um and this is definitely this this reminded me just like how Brutal! This killer is in a way that I that we hadn't seen before in Martino's work, um, and just the revenge or the way that they get that that scarf salesman, um, just like uh, I don't know, it, it, it's it's pretty pretty rough. I mean, it goes goes pretty hard, and um, uh, even this is is nine years before that.
3: Yeah, I noted that he, we get we get nice uh, some nice gore effects of a of a man's skull being pancaked against a stone wall <laughs> by a car um but yeah and even like just thinking about like all the dismemberment happening happening in the latter half of the film like there he's not just killing these people but he's like chopping them up to dispose of the bodies and i'm i'm just thinking like there would be blood all over this villa that they're yeah. staying in uh it would be <laughs> nasty
1: uh uh jake you just said you were you were very fond of that uh as as like a standout in martino's
3: yeah. catalog yeah so I, I mentioned off Mike, this is not my favorite Martino film, but I think the final third of this movie is my favorite thing I've seen Martino do, um, which is this extended, the best way I can describe it is like, it's an extended cat and mouse thriller where the cat has no idea there's another mouse uh, in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this, the final girl, as you say, is like trying to creep around and not make any noise as this guy is butchering the bodies of her friends downstairs. Um, all of that culminating with like things like, you know, her trying to get the key out of the peephole. So it lands on the newspaper and the killer placing the key on the newspaper. Oh, that, stuff that, is that just, shot's
0: fucking
2: amazing.
3: Yeah, that, yeah that's it. Yeah. Incredible. That reminded
2: me of like the humor you see in American slasher films is just the way that he's just toying with her in that moment yeah. of absolute yeah. terror. Just like, yeah, you you made it. You got the key in the right place. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like when uh, Nev Campbell gets in the car and scream and Ghostface holds up the keys and then runs away.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a wacky guy.
1: So uh, speaking of that that juxtaposition, am I have I just been? uh jalo pilder are these just much more interesting than american slashers of the 70s oh of, course, of the yeah.
2: 70s oh, well yeah. i mean the 70s is when it's still ramping up though
0: yeah fair. Yeah. there's really I not guess I very mean, many american seventies. i guess yeah. i mean
1: like stuff like halloween which i like halloween but i don't know this is this struck me but, but just even that came interesting. like
3: four years after this
2: mm-hmm. right five years in
3: Well,
1: I don't think
2: many of them are as atmospheric as this. Like, uh, I would say Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, it's like the masters knew how, but I would have to take a deeper dive into the more uh, journeyman directors efforts of this era of Italian horror to make the full comparison, you know, because it could just Mm -hmm. be the legends that are getting it at this high of quality, just like with American slashers, you know, you watch the West Cravens and Toby Hoopers and they're a lot better than the, uh, the standard fare.
0: <laughs> sure. Right. Sure. But I think that you're, you're kind of on that though. Like Martino is in many ways considered sort of a journeyman of this genre and era mm-hmm. in Italian cinema. I, the, to me, the major difference is where you've got to cut some of the, uh, us slasher directors. A break is that the majority of those are just fucking cheap cheap movies. Oh, of course. These are not. These these have much more significance in their particular industry. Like, slashers were always a cheap and dirty thing in America. And these are lavish productions in Italy. Like, they put money into these things.
1: True. Yeah, I mean, like, just the scores on each of these are just like, it's it's wild. Like, I I think it's something that we probably take for granted, uh, more generally speaking, just how some of the scores through like if you just go through the through the giallo canon and just go what the fuck like this this is incredible and uh you know obviously john carpenter great great uh, composer but um and, and people love love him and there it's just like in the b Jalo films there's just like these incredible scores that nobody talks about
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, Goblin's the only one who sort of emerged from that scene as like a beloved and Mark, American act. Well, Mark Honey, sure. Certainly. A little different thing. Other
1: stuff, right.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of the music in these, especially again, if we double back to Strange Rice of Mrs. Ward, that score still with me. That thing is so beautiful. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting how a lot of that is kind of stripped out of this movie. It's it's a very quiet movie for Martino and it just it feels a lot grindier. It's it's way more of a grindhouse mm-hmm. movie than the other ones. Um and oh, yeah, I it, it definitely
2: announces itself as such pretty early on. I mean the first kill being, you know, the the voyeur uh voyeurism of the the car sex, you know, and him going after the guy after that. It kind of like I don't know. I, I, I can't really think of anything else to say other than it yeah. announces itself with as much sleaze as it will carry throughout, you know?
0: For sure. Sure, sure. And yet the style is still dripping everywhere. Like that mm-hmm. early kill where she's uh, being chased through the swamp. The way that he handles fog and oh, lighting, yeah. it's just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Oh, yeah.
1: And there's there seems to be different registers that happen, like just like little things that. Um, you know uh, the zoom is such an important part i don't know if we've talked about that uh on these episodes as much as maybe they weren't but um the zoom is just like such a fabric of the giallo uh, or you know italian genre film um and there's just like great little moments in this where there's an establishing shot and you think you expect it to zoom in and then all of a sudden it zooms out to show like the entire village um I don't know. There's just like it. Like I said, it seems like these two movies really show a maturity or at least like him feeling more assured of himself and established and willing to, to like work a little bit outside of the formula.
2: Well, that zoom out that you just mentioned is maybe my favorite shot in this film because it comes right after a kill. It's about an hour into the film or so. And you just get what you would, what you would think is just an establishing shot outside, you know, to move from one scene to the next. But Just the the effectiveness of just pulling back and realizing that what you originally thought was the establishing shot of the village uh, was only, you know, a a quarter of the image, if that uh, just completely blew me away. And like I I realized at that moment that I had finally moved on from just examining his style and was fully into this on a raw, uh, you know, direct horror level. And that shot kind of pulled me back into analyzing Hmm. the style
1: interesting um and and that 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 shot like sort of uh sets up that great sequence where she's the uh, the the final girl is like playing with that mirror on top of the the uh cliff it's it's so fun and, and you're sort of getting these psych out moments of like people that you expect you know the butcher and whatnot that you expect to see <laughs> uh and i think the doctor might see i can't remember no he does not
2: Everyone's just looking the other way, just like not yeah. getting caught by it, which is so it's so frustrating and so funny at the same time.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, doctor only he does not see the mirror and is only alerted <laughs> because he's smashed by that uh, garbage truck. <laughs> it,
3: yeah. <laughs> you kind of Who you the he the doctor. Sees
0: it? It's uh, Rasimov again.
1: Okay, I couldn't remember if it was Rasimov or or, uh, or Hilton. I I
0: couldn't remember. No, the, we the, we, the we the are Hilton free this week, unfortunately.
3: <laughs> we, forgot, we forgot to mention uh in your vice as a locked room that uh, the star of that is uh italian james khan uh, <laughs> oh is that true yeah well, last week we had george, italian george Hilton is italian um christopher lee so this week was italian james uh, khan but uh yeah the, uh, this also
1: marks a break from fanac as well
3: It's true. Yeah,
2: Yeah, he has to have three young women instead of just Fennec in this one to make up for her presence being gone. But I think they carry a good group dynamic and, you know, them entering that village is very powerful as they ride through it on the tractor. Uh, One of my
1: favorite scenes. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) and everybody's looking at it like it made me feel comfortable i was like this is really weird right yeah uh that they're doing this (laughs) it's like what the fuck is going on also yeah they're
2: i I don't know how they're not like like they're barely wearing any clothes and that tractor cannot be like comfortable to sit on but you know hey you gotta do what you gotta do for the cinema you know
3: yeah. I think, yeah, one of them's laying on it with her legs bent and, like, the <laughs> as they drive by, like, the men's heads are, like, framed in the gap between her legs and the tractor as they just ride on through.
0: It's a real old Seinfeld gag. She yeah, exactly. got some syphilis <laughs> from the tractor there. But, yeah. Uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't describe. This movie, along with uh, Mrs. Ward last week, this one really bowled me over. Like, the, so many stylistic elements just work in harmony here. And he not only sort of invents the subgenre and executes it to almost perfection, like this would be top tier slasher sh- for sure. Like it's one of the better slashers there is, I would say. Um, but yeah, it's also got that whole third act where it's just suddenly like this Hitchcockian like tension vehicle where it's just her trying to wait out this guy in the house it's it's interesting uh, one of the other technical aspects i wanted to talk about was that open which is really well executed as well where he does that sort of like rack focus on each individual mm-hmm. character in mm-hmm. introducing them in that lecture hall it's uh
1: yeah.
2: fantastic fantastic
1: yeah, yeah i know yeah, i watched
2: that aspect. scene a couple times over because i was trying to catch all of the dialogue uh but just like the amount of just the amount of maneuvers going on with the camera in that scene is just ridiculous yeah
3: There's, there's one particular, I think my favorite shot is not really, it it kind of blew me away in how uh, understated it's pulled off. Um, It happens in the third act when she's, she's alone again in the house after the killer has just left with like one of her friends in a body bag. There's this shot of like the cameras in this adjoining room pointing out towards the front door and she runs towards the camera and pulls open the sliding door to get past and the sliding door also happens to be have mirrored windows on it, and then the camera just tilts up onto the next <laughs> pane, and she it, to complete the shot of her running up the stairs. Which, and she's now behind the camera, but just like little little things like that are like just the attention that Martino puts into like the knowing the geography yeah. of a room and the set, and like if you yeah. compare this to like nineteen eighties Friday the Thirteenth, it's just a piece of shit.
1: I, and that's kind of like um not to belabor uh, a point from from uh before but um that's kind of what's so great like and has enriched uh the idea of the Italian film industry for me over this exercise is just how many technicians and craftsmen are working on these things and um what's great about it uh is you know between the composers and the screenwriters and the cameramen and and uh what have you is that they're all working to make this like usually really sleazy stuff um and you know we get so used to like these elevated horror movies in contemporary cinema that um love to draw attention to shit like turning the camera upside down going down the road right uh and it's it's just like so funny to like watch this stuff and be able to appreciate something just for the sake of um i don't know just for the sake of cinema for the sake of uh making a cool object uh that doesn't have to be about something uh so i don't emotional whatever i i don't know but um it's, it's just it's just great to watch these people who were really interesting at their job like besides the fact that they were just very skilled um come together and work on these things that ultimately are just about being genre pieces.
0: Yeah. I think that again, we were talking about Tarantino in the first episode and his obvious sort of love for Martino's work. And I think that your point there, it resonates with that. Like Tarantino is one of the only working filmmakers right now who, who seems to not give a rat's ass about subtext. You know, he he'll make genre films because he has fun with them and he enjoys them. The end and I, I think that his yeah. love of the this sort of movie is very self-evident and is rooted in that that this whole era of italian cinema is craftsmen making they're just telling stories you know they don't these are not deep movies they're just beautifully executed uh dime store novels essentially <laughs>
1: and obviously um you know the directors uh have a lot of shit going on but they had it's cool that they were able to explore that like in in, in ways like who knows if, if if uh how much of that was intentional but obviously you know Argento and Fulci uh you know many pages have been written about how you know there are many issues uh and how fucked up they were uh, but it's great that they were able to have this space to like deal with that (laughs) and, uh, I don't know, put it on display.
0: Yeah. They're not vapid movies, but they're vapid scripts. You know, what, what depth exists in these is, is purely sort of cinematic visual storytelling and that there's a purity to that. There's a purity to this entire output, frankly. Well, any,
2: any outgoing thoughts? Uh, I'm ready to apply for Italian citizenship.
0: (laughs) I've been there uh, ever since I started to get into cinema,
3: frankly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's just an embarrassment yeah. of riches.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm excited to, to keep going on this, um, this uh, adventure, just like branching out and hitting more and more. Um, and uh, I hope you guys do the same.
3: Yeah, you know, normally when we do these, Sean, it's like we're introducing you to the director, but you've already seen well over a dozen Martino films, is that correct?
1: Yeah, I, I think that I'm going to do a couple more. Neither of them are Jalo films, but one of them uh, I started, but I, I need to restart. But uh, it's just like too good of a premise to pass up. It's called Casablanca Express. Actually, I have to pull it up because it's it's just too good. Um, it's one of his, his later works. And uh, I don't know if it was for TV or what, but um, here we go. Casablanca Express, which is from 1989. It is 1942, and the conflict between the U.S. and Germany is getting heated. (laughs) U.S. intelligence soon discovers that the Nazis are planning to capture Winston Churchill. In order to protect him, they send commando Al Cooper to guard Churchill, who is going by train to Casablanca, where he will meet with Roosevelt and Stalin. So it's about this um, American-like mancho dude who has to go save uh, Churchill.
0: What do you mean? Churchill's the most macho dude, from what I've seen in recent films. Why would he need well, someone's help?
1: I guess I'll find out. You know, um, maybe he needed a uh, Jason Connery to come save him. But Donald Pleasance is in it. Oh, so nice I, a plus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, finish up those two and, and be done with Martino. It's been fun, but uh, the the five that we've talked about here are certainly. Um, and I mentioned, uh, Manaha, his, uh, best spaghetti Western are definitely the core. Um, there's plenty of riches to be had outside, but this is, this is really like, um, an important stretch, uh, for, for any filmmaker, uh, the, these five movies, um, you know, we've talked about just how much they mean to Jalo and obviously to, to slashers as well. So, um, yeah, I would encourage anybody listening to, to, uh, try and, and seek them out.
0: Damn, I looked this up. I was really hoping that Donald Pleasance played Winston Churchill. I would pay good money to see that. Unfortunately, not the case.
3: I have a quick question just for Adam. Um, have you seen Amer?
0: Yes, I have. I, I think it's fantastic. I unfortunately have not. Uh, again, my brain has turned to soup in the last decade. And instead of uh, following on these paths that I used to be on and could consider myself an expert in stuff, I, instead I just watch YouTube and, and let my brain rot uh but yeah, no, I saw Amer when it was new and I loved it, and I have not seen either of the director's uh, other films. I, I believe they had two following that. Uh one of which is a very I, I believe utilizes the score for uh Strange Wives of Mrs. Ward again. I think it's used in Let the Corpses Tan, I read, and Strange Color of Your Body's Tears is is very Martino inspired titles. Yeah.
3: I would I would at least at the very least recommend uh to Eddie and Sean uh, check out Amare. Mm. It's a uh, I mean it's it's we would mentioned that giallo is not really something that can be replicated today, but Amare does a damn good job of doing that. Um it's I'm essentially sure. this it's just told from this point of view this one woman at three different stages of her life like as a child, teenager and adulthood and all different shades of giallo, but it's just pure visceral pure uh montage it's 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 lovely stuff
0: yeah these co-directors are, are obviously very interested in genre and not interested in making a commercial film and it's not very accessible but it's gorgeous and uh, well worth your time for sure yeah cool
3: i'll go ahead and say that's my put over for the week if we're uh, already there but uh
0: sure Se- that, yeah. yeah
3: yeah check out amare everybody 2009 directed by ellen katet and bruno Forzani. They had two other films after it. Uh, not quite as good, though I do love Let the Corpses Tan. But, uh, yeah, check out Amer. It's fantastic.
0: Uh, they also have a segment in the brilliant anthology film, The ABCs of Death. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put over not ever watching that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we are at putovers, Eddie. I don't know how much uh, Sean has prepped you for this uh, whole procedure, but we do like to put something over for the week for the audience. We, we had retired the segment, but based on uh, patron demand, it's back.
2: I, as Sean said, he had me listen to every episode going all the <laughs> way back to 2015. So well, you know, hey, I'm he's ready. He's
3: cock locked and ready to rock.
2: Look, I do I do research for one thing, and it's podcasts.
0: <laughs> well I pity you. I I'm sorry for the uh, the breadth of idiocy that you've endured. Uh my my putover would definitely have to be
2: uh Act of Vengeance, a a 1974 film that also goes by the title Rape Squad by a director named Bob Killigen, who I'd never heard of mm-hmm. and has credits such as uh, Scream, Blackula Scream and Count Yorga Vampire uh and the Return of Count Yorga. But you know, Act of Vengeance is a an early rape revenge movie about a uh, a hockey masked uh, rapist who, you know, his victims band together after being dejected or rejected by the police entirely. The police, as we know, are useless, especially in matters like this. And so they form their own squad uh, to hunt down uh, the man who has been terrorizing uh, Los Angeles. So, uh, yeah, check out Act of Vengeance, a.k.a. Rape Squad. It's a a really strong movie.
0: Uh, Sean, what do you got for us? Um, This is kind of
1: uh, tougher than usual for me because I've just been doing stuff in the same vein. Uh, But I'm going to choose as a tribute to, uh, uh, was it last year that we did Joe D'Amato?
0: It was two years ago, I believe. Okay. I, I think I called it last year, last episode, but then I looked at it and it was not. Okay. Time flies when you're not having fun. As a tri-
1: <laughs> as a tribute to this segment, uh I'll do Joe D'Amato's Papaya Love Goddess of the Cannibals, um, which I watched uh last week and is uh, maybe my favorite D'Amato film yet. Um uh it's just like cool island vibes and uh there's not too much gross sex. Um but yeah cool like score and it's just like about this american colonialist who's like working on a nuclear like reactor and um production is like stopped uh and so he's just like hanging out with chicks on the island um it's pretty cool papaya love goddess of the cannibals no you said that that one didn't have as much weird sex stuff if
2: i if i wanted to uh, perchance you know may, maybe for a friend uh recommend a joe damato if yeah. that did have the weird sex stuff where where would you suggest one starts
1: Myros, where was the one with the uh entirely abhorrent log
0: sex which one was uh, that god what was that i don't know the man is is filled with trash <laughs> uh you trust me if you're looking for some sort of uh erotic endeavor i might i might suggest never watching a Joe Tomato. i think um that was porno holocaust by the way porno yeah, holocaust
2: yeah. oh okay i've porno had that holocaust. one on the watch list for quite a while okay
1: that one is um yeah i we we watched some others that are kind of uh in more of a vein of what we watched this week um you know with the goblin score and whatnot mm-hmm. but um yeah, porno Holocaust, not on Letterboxd, can't log it. Um it is absolutely filthy. Nice.
0: Yeah, a disgusting film, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> but such so, so goes Joe D'Amato. Um yeah. That that was a fun endeavor. Actually, more fun than last year, where I, I believe Steve and I had to do uh, Toby Hooper, which is oh yeah, kind of grim. I mean, kind of grim. Uh, Maybe just because we skipped the friggin' Poltergeist, but yeah, uh, there were some bad ones in there. (laughs) Uh, So I guess I gotta put something over too. I'm I'm just going to uh, cheat a bit since we're on the kick of sort of the proto-slasher, and I'm gonna put over Mario Bava's Bay of Blood, which uh, I'd say Bava is talk about your your godfather of the shallow. It's definitely Mario Bava, and Bay of Blood is, I believe, two years prior to Torso, and it's it's definitely way more of a proto-slasher than a, a true slasher like this is. But uh, if you're interested in further pursuing uh, the quibbles between these various uh, movies about men uh, chasing down women and murdering them, uh, you know, let's start with a Bay of Blood. It's it's a good one. Bava, very skilled director and very influential on everyone we've talked about this week and uh, in years past when we covered Argento Uh, maybe we'll cover him next year or maybe we'll cover Fulci we should probably do another Italian because it's fun yeah well thanks for coming on Eddie oh well thank you so much for having me it was a a delight well Eddie uh, since we're outroing where can the people find you online is there a twitter you like to get uh, publicity on or just your podcast or what
2: I, I've been known to send a tweet from time to time, but I, I'd rather you just listen to my podcast. It's called Extended Clip, and we talk about two films every week, and sometimes we talk about other stuff, but usually it's two films, a double feature showcasing uh, you know so, something more in the lowbrow genre vein, and usually more of either a drama or uh, an art picture of sorts. And uh, so yeah, uh, Extended Clip 69 is our Twitter, and uh, we're all over wherever you find
1: podcasts.
0: There you go. Uh, Sean, the people, they need to talk to you. Where are they going to find you? Uh,
1: Come chat with me in the comments uh, of Letterboxd, which, as Scott Tobias told everybody on The Ringer previously, uh, that's a great place for um, communal
0: cyber interaction. Boy, I have egg on my face. Uh, Jake, (laughs) where can the people find you?
3: Uh, Yeah, you can find me at, uh, at Jake Tropila. C-R-O-P-I-L-A on all the things, letterboxed, Twitter, hit me up wherever. I also want to plug, I have a uh, another podcast that I do uh, at filminquiry.com where I write reviews uh, with uh, Christy Strauss, the editor-in-chief, who has guested on a previous episode. It's where we each uh, show each other a film that the other person has not seen. It's called uh, Blind Spots. Uh, so yeah, check that out too.
0: Here I thought Sean killed the film inquiry's whole podcast wing. Mm-hmm. Uh what? Nope, we're bringing it back. <laughs> it's, it's coming back in spite of him. Um all right, yeah, yeah. I got uh nothing less outro. People can't find me online. If you want to talk to me, you can just email optimism at gmail.com or send us a tweet at optimism vaccine. Uh beyond that, you know, we've just got uh, that little Patreon thing, and uh you could join the likes of Dustin and Paula and support us, and have me say your name for the rest of this month. Uh, and, you know, maybe even Steve will get on board with that once we're uh, through this month, and he's back in the, the saddle here. Uh, stick with us, you know. I'll be gone soon. I'll be back to just occasionally <laughs> chiming in with dumb bullshit instead of uh, trying to steer this uh, mighty ship. Uh You also should, in addition to supporting us on Patreon, which of course you ought to, why not? I mean, we all have oodles of spare money these days. Uh, you should also uh, check the link in the description, uh, pop on over to iTunes, and give us a five-star rating. Uh, talk as much shit as you'd like in the review itself, but uh, you know, at least make us a little visible. The algorithm is a cruel mistress. Uh, I think that's about it, guys. This has been fun. Jake, I think you know how this goes. You get the last word.
1: Adios, amigos. Daughter. Daughter. Lift your head, what color are your eyes? Daughter, daughter, look ahead. Don't let them tell you lies. Be yourself, prove yourself,
3: help yourself, free yourself, know yourself, show yourself yourself. Be yourself. Daughter, daughter, please yourself. Daughter, 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 lift your your eyes. What color are your dreams? dreams?